Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. People of God gather together, and there's an excitement in the air. Amen? Amen. And we want to welcome you. You're here for the first time. Those who've tuned in this evening to watch us on our live stream, welcome, welcome. On behalf of our senior pastor, Ruben Reyna, we welcome you. Turn around, greet a few people before you sit down, and we'll get right into the word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's good. Amen. It's going to be good this weekend for uh, the youth and the kids at VBS, the family night. You guys want to make sure if you're not registered, go ahead and register. Amen. Just a, just a heads up, it, it's, it's very competitive. If they're having sports and, and competitive, amen. You're going to see Raul. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love his competitiveness. Amen. He's, he's, he's a very serious guy, but he gets this look in his eye when he's competing for something. I don't care what it is. Amen. It could be volleyball or something, but he's going to give it all. Amen. So come on out, bring the family, and it's going to be a good time in the Lord. This evening, I want to minister on the title of this message I have is Arrows in the Hands of God, or Arrows in God's Hands. Amen. You know, I was, I was thinking back to when we first came uh, into the discipleship classes, one of the lessons that Pastor Ruben taught us was on the arrows, and the importance of the arrows. And I remember this sermon very good, the notes I have, and I looked at my notes. These notes go back 12, 13 years, and, and I, I don't know if they're continuing on in the, in the, the discipleship classes, but it, it, it's when, it, when you think about the arrows, the, the Bible references arrows in Psalms 127. It speaks about children being arrows in the quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And so when you think about the process of making an arrow, uh, uh, the developing of the arrow and the perfection of an arrow, the arrow is very effective in the hands of a seasoned archer, someone who knows what they're doing, amen? And, and tonight, I brought my, my quiver with my arrows. I didn't bring the bow, amen, because I would be tempted to start shooting them across the congregation <laughs> just to see what would happen, Amen. <laughs> But tonight, I want to minister on arrows in God's hand. And if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms chapter 7. Psalms chapter 7. Arrows in the hands of God. It reads this. It says, he prepares his deadly weapons and turns them into flaming arrows. Pray with me tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity, Lord God, to minister your word, Father. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would just anoint my lips to deliver this message how you gave it to me, Father. Lord, I pray for those here tonight, Lord, Father, who are in various walks in the, with you, Father, that, Lord, that you would just bring them to that place of elevation. Lord God, that you would just minister to us, that our hearts would be receptive to your word, Father. Lord, I'm 
careful and mindful to give you all the glory, all the praise, the honor in your glorious son's name. Amen. 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 See, when you look at what is taking place today in the church, I was, if you were watching the news today, you saw that in Pakistan, the churches there, the Christian churches were under attack where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of individuals were coming into the churches and beating up the ministers and the, 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 fellow, the people who were fellowshipping there, tearing down the crosses and destroying it. And when you think about what is taking place, I believe that in these last times that we as the people of God have to bring ourselves to a point where we're starting to rise up to where God is calling us and take our position where God has placed us. And I think that it is a time, and this is the season. I, I, I don't feel that we have much time to, to continue to waste on, on waiting for things, or we'll get around to it at some point in our, in our walk with God, but right now I'm just continuing to be myself. I was listening to some of these ministers and they were talking about uh, the me-centric movement the, where you need to find a place of worship that celebrates you, that, that celebrates you and your, and your feelings and how you feel. No challenging of the word of God, no bringing the forth the truth because it'll, it'll intimidate people and people will not want to attend. But I believe that when those times start taking place, and I believe they're taking place now, I was listening to a documentary where these are starting to creep into the church. And the one of the unique things that we have in this fellowship that even though many of the churches in fellowships, various fellowships that are similar to ours, but our mission statement is to reach, to teach, to mend, and to send. It's where we all have come into a place. See, salvation is instant. Through your faith, it is instant. But it is the, the process that God is going to take you to, to bring you to your sanctification. This is the point where we need to decide if we are going to continue to live in the way we are or we're going to advance in the things of God. So my first, my first point is the reaching part. Now, when you're making an arrow, one of the things that you must do is that you must look for a quality branch. Now, when you're picking a branch, you're looking for something that you could work with. See, we all came into the house of God. When we all came in, we weren't all straight. We were all jaggedy. Amen. But when we came in, God started to use us and he started to develop us. We were green. We didn't know anything. God just started just giving us uh, his word. God's spirit was in us, and we started to develop. And as, as the time goes on, God starts stripping things away from us. God starts removing the hatred. God starts removing the anger, removing the pride, removing all the things in our life that would keep us from going straight. And this is the point where we reached the people. See, this Church, this fellowship has been called to reach the lost, to reach the lost, to take this gospel, the simplicity of this gospel, and preach it to the lost, the hurting, because we were once there. We were once there. 
And not all of us had the same background. Not all of us walked the yard. Not, not all of us, you know, uh, were in drugs or did any of those things. Some of us just lived in a self-righteous, depressed mode. Never told anybody, never did anything. You weren't a drinker, you weren't a, a, a drug abuser, you weren't any of these things, but you still had an emptiness inside of you that only Jesus could fill. Only Jesus. So the heartbeat of this ministry is the evangelism of reaching the lost. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, for, for necessity is laid on me, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not this gospel. He says, woe, if I don't do what God has called me to do to preach this gospel. See, one of the areas that we must look at is the importance in the time frame that we have. That we don't have a lot of time. People are slipping into eternity on a daily basis on, and, and by the second. I remember I brought out a, a, an hourglass, but it was a 30-minute hourglass. And I, when I studied it, two grains of sand fell through every half second. And when you do the calculation, by the time that sermon was finished, a great number of people had slipped into eternity. And we don't think about that because we always think, there's always tomorrow. I'll take care of it tomorrow. I'll work on that tomorrow. I'll fix that broken door tomorrow. We're always doing things tomorrow. But sometimes tomorrow never comes. In Luke chapter 19, turn with me there. I'll read it. In verse 10, it says, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. That was his whole purpose of coming to earth was to die on the cross for your and my sins, that we would have a redemption. See, this for the church is to act on the mandate handed down from the Lord, and we all must become missionaries. I know we think about it oftentimes and we say, you know what, that's not me. You know, that's, that's something that, you know, the, I, I just love coming to church. I just love, you know, uh, the worship. I just love being part of, of, of some of the things. But I'm not that person to step out and, and preach the gospel or share the gospel. I'm shy in that way. I know a lot of you shy people. And you ain't so shy. I seen you. You danced when there was no music. You got all loud. You, 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 you would be at the game shouting your team when didn't care. But when it comes to the things of God, we become very conservative. Well, that's not me. I'm not that radical. I don't want to be that wild. I don't want to be like that. I ain't going to be running around the church. I ain't going to do none of that stuff. It's in us. It's in us. So what is it that we take? We take the mandate that God has given us in the mission statement to reach. And this is for the church to act. See, if there was ever a time to begin the proclamation of the gospel, it's now. It's now. When you see what is taking place, and I mean, we've, we've, we've heard about this and we've read this for decades, decades, wars, rumors of wars. Children rising up, but never to this extent. 
to where you have to ask yourself, God, how soon? How soon? God, keep me ready. Keep me, keep oil in my lamp, God. I want to be ready when you come, but I want to take as many people to heaven that I can, that I could reach the lost, that I could speak the gospel freely. See, we have the blessings here in the United States where we could speak. We have a, an amendment that says we have the freedom of speech. But how soon will that last? Because now there's laws on the book where they're trying to remove things from the churches, remove things from the schools, remove things. So they want to impart this into us, and we need to rise up and say, no, we're going to stand for the righteousness of God. We're going to stand for the truth. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to allow these things to creep into my children's curriculum. And this is where we need to, as Christians, as, as believers, to have a voice. See, so many times they worry about what other people think. You know they'll shut down a program if one person complains about it. They'll shut it down in the schools. Oh, no, we no longer do that, or we, we can't do that because a, a family got offended. And they were atheists, and they didn't want us having a tree and all these things. Christians, we need to rise up and say, you know what? We have a voice. This country was founded on the gospel. This country was founded on the word of God. In God we trust. Because there will come a time, let me tell you, when being a Christian is against the law. I pray to God that I don't live here long enough to see that. Where Christianity will be against the law. And my question to you, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? When you stand before a magistrate or you stand before a judge and they say, you know what, this person is a Christian. This person pre preaches the gospel. He lives a godly life. He speaks the gospel. He carries the Bible. Your Honor, by all rights, this man is a Christian. Guilty. Guilty. See, I believe that these times, these times that we're seeing, I know oftentimes it doesn't reach because we figure, oh, it's in another part of the country, another part of the state. It really doesn't affect me, but it does because these are our brothers and our sisters who are suffering who are standing for the gospel and being beheaded and being dragged in the streets and mocked and spit upon, just like Jesus said that we would. You will be persecuted for our, my name's sake. Be prepared. Be prepared, Christians, because the enemy has an agenda as well as we do. And then when we come into the things of God, God has brought us in. He is shaping us and he is forming us. And part of that is where God is doing the process. In Matthew 9, 36, 38, it reads this, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. And when he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. One person said this, and I love this. He says, any church that does not include reaching out to the lost souls in the program it has lost its purpose for existence. Lost its perfect purpose for existence. You're not doing what God has called you to do. See, this is where we need to get involved. We need to say, you know what, prayerfully, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Because very soon, our fellowship is going to start hitting the streets. Yeah. 
Very soon, we're going to start reaching out to the lost. You know what we need to do? We need to start handing out tracts again. Like the old days. Remember when you, we would go to the track store and we would just buy $5 worth of tracks and we'd fold them and stamp our church information and we'd go to the streets and just start handing them out to people, letting them know that Jesus loves them. We need to be more aggressive in that stance. One of my favorite things to do is, when I was in the medical building, I would get those $20 bills. There were tracks and you fold them. It looks like a real $20 bill. And I would go in the elevator, and as I was walking out, I'd accidentally drop one. And then I turned around, and I seen a doctor put his foot on it. And I just walked away. It was a track, and it told him about Jesus. The last, next time I did it, I dropped it, and I looked back, and he looked at me, and he shook his head no. We need to get back to handing out tracks. Letting people know, sharing the gospel. Look, it's as simple as this. Hey, God loves you. Here, I want something for you to read. Put it in their hands. One of the favorite ones I had that it said, you might tie your shoes at, in the morning, but the undertaker might untie them at e- in the evening hour. Are you ready to meet your, sa- your maker? That was so heavy in the sense that it stopped people in their tracks and it made them think, what are, where, am, where am I going to spend eternity? Where am I going to spend my, my days? Because oftentimes as young people, we don't think about that. We always think, man, you know what? Uh, I, I, got a, I got my whole life ahead of me. I spoke to some young people who said, man, when I get to your age, then I'll think about it. They never got a chance. Never got that chance. Because life is so short and it's so precious. We need to act on these things now. The second thing is the teach and the men. So we got reach, where we reach out to the lost. We minister to those who are in need, and we bring them into the kingdom of God. That is our mandate. That is our mission statement. God didn't give you a a suggestion. He gave you a commission. He said, go ye into the world and preach this gospel. Go, go. Well, it's not for me. Then who's it for? This Bible was written to you and for you and me. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel. Walking epistles, the Bible says. Let them know about Jesus. And if not, with words in your lifestyle and your character. By looking at you, they say, you know what, that individual, they walk with God. That individual has a a, a genuineness about them. That individual has a love inside of them, a a kindness. That individual goes out of its way to be kind, to smile, to be happy. Let them see Jesus in us. Amen? Five of you. Come on. By the time this is over, we're going to be ready. Amen? (laughs) So the next one is teaching men. Teaching men. This is where you've been in the quiver for a while. You've been straightened out. You've been smoothed out. And you've been curing in the quiver, waiting for God to do something in your life. But the one thing that this takes place is that when this is starting to get cured, the archer will take it and he'll put it over the fire. Because when it goes over the fire, you're able to work with it. You're able to shape it in the way you want. Because if I was to shoot this now, it would go that way. Because it's still in the process. And this is where God is doing that work in our life and he's developing it. He's preparing his deadly weapons, like the the psalm says. 
He's preparing us. This is the preparation where God is forming you and shaping you into the man and the woman of God that he has called you to do. Because you will be effective in the things of God if you allow yourself to be shaped by the hand of God. To be worked on by the hand of God. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. What? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. See, that is the backbone of this fellowship is that we are being taught. We've been reached and now we're being taught. And in being taught, what we're doing is, is we're being prepared. God is preparing you and I. Regardless if you feel that you have the call, you have the call or not, God has called each and every one of us and we all have a purpose in the kingdom of God. Some of you may never stand behind a pulpit some of you may never sing on a worship team, but God has called you to be a, a, a believer and a, and a faithful individual in the things of God. Be a pillar in the house of God. Be a prayer warrior. Be a kind individual. Be a greeter. And whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. An excellent spirit like Daniel. Having an excellent spirit, what you're saying is, you know, God, I honor you. And all that you have taught me, you pulled me out of the miry clay. And you brought me into a house of worship where I'm able to be developed and able to be shaped and formed. And God is raising up men and women in this fellowship to do something great for God. I love it. I love it when I see individuals come to the things of God and God starts to develop them. And they start to answer the call that God has placed on them. And they say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And they're constantly checking themselves. What is it, God, that you want me to do? I don't want to just be a church warmer. I don't want to be just an individual that just shows up. I want to be active. I want to be a part of what God is doing this. And when they call a prayer meeting, we say, you know what? I can't be here physically, but I'm going to take the time and I'm going to close things off at home and I'm going to join forces with the fellowship. I'm with you, pastor. I'm with you. You know what, pastor? We're going to go hit the streets. I want to be there. I want to learn. See, that's the thing. We didn't all just come up one day and boom, they hand you a mic and you start speaking. We were taught. We were taught. And sometimes some of the stuff came out, man, it didn't make sense. Some of the stuff that we were saying that, you know what, but you know what, as God started to develop, as you step out, as you step out in faith and God will give you the words. God will touch your tongue and God will anoint you and you'll speak. And it'll, somebody is listening. Somebody is listening. Somebody who is walking in the shoes that you once walked in is hearing what you are saying. And that the power of God that touched you, that transformed you, that changed your heart, took that wicked heart and gave you a heart of flesh, that individual is listening to exactly what you're saying. Because we know we serve a powerful God. We serve a mighty God. I've seen God take a drug addict and transform him and give him a heart of flesh. I've seen God take a person full of anger and give him a heart full of love. Hatred. Some of the times you see people, man, and you see, man, I, I remember when I first seen this one brother. He's long, he's long gone, been gone with the Lord. But I remember the first time I see him, I said, man, that's one bad looking dude. I'm going to sit over here. I don't want to be, I don't, man, you know what? But when he started speaking, the anointing, the grace of God, and the humblest, see, you can't worry about this. 
God is going to work on this. God is always working on this, is always reaching out to this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The one thing I love about that is it always reminds me of the portrait where Jesus is knocking at the door. If you notice, there's no handle on it because the handle's on the inside. You can only let Jesus in. See, if you're here this evening, somebody brought you, somebody invited you, and you don't know the Lord, I want to tell you right now, he is the best thing that could ever happen to you. If you give God your heart, he will do wonderful things with it. He'll transform you. God, I remember just the anxiousness, the anxiety that I had. Just always, my mind was just always running. And there would be times, man, where I'd get from, from where I live and off the 605 and I'd be in Costa Mesa and Tustin and don't even remember transferring to the 55, the 5. And just, I mean, how did I get here? Because my mind was just constantly going. But when I asked Christ to come into my heart and forgive me, there was a peace, a peace. And the Bible says that surpasses all understanding. None of the people who can't explain it that comes over an individual when they say, yes, God. I surrender God. I yield God. You always see the yield sign? I'm always curious at how some people think. You know how when you see the yellow light and you think it means speed up? <laughs> Cautiously. Be cautious. So we're being taught and being mended. See, the definition is to impart knowledge to instruct someone as to how to do something or cause someone to learn or understand something by example or by experience. That's why we encourage discipleship. In medicine, we have a phrase, it's to see one, do one, teach one. We get a doctor who says, okay, I'm gonna teach you something. I want you to watch me, and the next time you're gonna do it, and then the next time you're gonna teach somebody to do it. So here what we have is discipleship where we have leaders who've experienced things, who offer their advice and their counsel. And we, we, we take that in and we say, you know what, well, I'm able to benefit off of that. I'm able to be taught how to do these things. See, if we're ever gonna do anything great for the things of God, we need to follow the examples that God has placed for us to follow. Because we're following the footsteps of somebody who's gone on before us and they made a pathway for you and I to follow and to receive that instructions. So we need to get rid of that I know everything spirit. Oh, you can't teach me anything. I've been through this. I've been through many wars. I've been serving the Lord now for 15 years and doing all these things. I, I, I still need to learn. I still, I, I've come to the conclusion, I shared this with one of my loved ones. Man, I'm all messed up. I need Jesus every day, man, every single day. Every single day that I wake up, man, God, help me. God, show me. God, don't let me, because every time this tongue wants to say something, the Lord will shut it up, Anthony, because I know that my words carry weight with it, either life or death, the Bible says. So we need to be curious enough to say, you know what, God, what is it that I need to do? What is it that I need to do to take place in my life? See, this is where having a teachable attitude is beneficial to you and I. In Psalms 25, 9, it says, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. 
See, coming out of the world, we didn't come in humble. God had to strip things down from us when we first came in. Man, we were all jaggedy. We were all jaggedy. We wanted things, man, but you know what? God just had to, man, just take this off, take this off, remove this, shake. Man, you know what? It, 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 being flexible. But when, when God starts to apply the trials and the, and the tribulations to our life, it starts to straighten us out. How many here could, can testify that when you came out of the fire, you came out okay? Amen. Come on now. Did I, did I ask it wrong? How many here, when you came out of the fire, you said, you know what, God showed me something. I learned something. I was developed in something. I, God gave me a revelation of what was taking place. Because sometimes we don't know the answer right there. How many have ever been in the heat of a battle, right in the midst of the fire, and man, the first thing that comes to your mind is just jam. Quit. Run. But then you hear that still voice inside of you that says, stay still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I will carry you through this fire. Be know this. See, when we start to develop that relationship with God through prayer and through his word, we start to get an understanding of what God is doing, and that's when the purification starts taking place. The sanctification, because we're saved, but we're waiting on the sanctification. I need to be sanctified. We need Jesus. Come on, say, I need Jesus. Hallelujah. See, an arrow that is being prepared in this process we are pupils and disciples. We are pupils and disciples. We're learners. We don't know it all. We don't know it all. We're learning. I want to learn. You want to learn something new every day. You know what it, it, it's an amazing thing? Is that when you open up the Bible, you're going to be taught something new that you must have read a dozen times, but now it's grabbing at you. Now there's a revelation there. There's an understanding of it. And then you want to go a little deeper, so you start to get into a study Bible, and you start to break it apart. And then when it starts to become alive to you, that's when it starts to be engrafted into your heart. And you say, you know, God, let your word rest in me. Let me wear it around a tablet around my heart so I won't, what, sin against you. So an arrow is being prepared there are three characteristics of being teachable. The first one is to open your heart to soak in whatever God wants you to learn. Whatever it is, as basic as it could be, where you say, you know what, God, I want to learn. And even if it's as something as simple as just repentance, something as simple as just saying, you know what, God, that's me. That's where you have a teachable spirit. And then the next thing is that you lose the all... I already know what you're going to say mindset. You ever been, try to talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, 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 I know. They don't even let you finish. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I, yeah, no, I know that. I know him. I know that. I read that. Read the book. Saw the movie. I know all that. You can't get nothing across them. And the third thing is, is you are willing to receive from the wrong person. Now, I know what you're thinking, the wrong meaning someone you most likely wouldn't. Because how many know that sometimes that somebody who you don't clash with too well is giving you a word, but because how you feel towards that person, 
you're not receiving it. So we're able to receive from the wrong person because they have something to teach you as well. One person said this. He says that you cannot be prideful and teachable at the same time. Maxwell said that. Scripture says in Proverbs 13, 20, it says, one who walks with wise men grows wise. So you align yourself with people who are walking with the same mindset. We said this many times before. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It's who you align yourself with. People who are walking in the same directions, where you want to go. The arrow is being prepared for its destiny. It's cultivated, it's stripped of its bark, and it's placed in the fire. And then there's the last point, the send. So we reach, we teach, we mend, and we send. Turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 2. I'm reading from the God's Word translation. It reads this. It says, he made my tongue like a sharp sword, and he hid me in the palm of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow, and he hid me in his quiver. The prophet Isaiah is speaking here of Jesus. 30 years that Jesus, before he came to his ministry, The Lord shielded him. The Lord protected him. He hid him in the quiver. But it's also speaking to you and I as arrows in the hands of God. Where God is preparing you, God is molding you, God is is stripping things away from you, and he's hiding you in the quiver for your destiny, where God has called you to. See, one of the things that we must understand is that we are part of God's assignment. We are God's assignment. See, in Philippians 6, or Ephesians 6, it speaks about the enemy and his weapon. Refers to it as the fiery darts. Now, he might have fiery darts, but I want to tell you that God calls you a sharpened arrow. That God calls you a fiery arrow. You've been prepared. You've been prepared for the destiny that God has called you. And when God is ready to launch his bow, when God is ready to launch you into your destiny, it's going to hit its mark. Because God has a plan and a purpose for you and I that he has developed us, he has shaped us, and once he sends us into whatever he's called you to, it could be into the ministry, it could be into the, the children's department, it could be into greeting, ushering, teaching, one of those areas God is going to use you and you will be effective. But you must stay in the quiver. You must allow God to do the work in your life that he's called to you to do. See, oftentimes we never want to wait. We become impatient. Well, we say, God, I want it now. I want it now. However long it takes. See, we're not all on on the same level. Sometimes people come in, man, they fall in love with God. And man, God starts to raise them up. And then people start to wonder like, man, what are they doing that God is doing such a great work in their life. They're allowing God to do the work in their life. You know, we have a huge part of delaying God's call on our life. Where God says, you know what, I have this in store for you, but you want to do other things. You want to go your own way. See, if we just yield to God, 
If we just say, you know what, God, whatever it is that you have in store for me, God, I want to do it. I want to be part of what you have for my life. See, I remember a prophecy that was spoke over my wife and I. October 13th, 1984. It was at our wedding. And I remember it. And when I walked away from God, I never wanted to hear those words again. Never. I remember I hid the wedding tape. I didn't want to see it. And I, I, I remember it. But when I came back to the Lord, the first thing I did was find that video. VHS, if any of you youngsters know what that is. And I must have listened to it for like two hours just so I could get word for word what the prophecy was. In all those years, 21 years that I was away from God, and when I came back, I just said, you know what, God? If this is what you have in store, here I am. Here I am. Now, I could tell you from experience, it's never going to be easy. What I didn't care for was I didn't care for the mending part, the shaping part. Because how many know it's at a certain time we get to a point where we think we know it all? And we don't like to change. I didn't like change. But God says, look, if I'm going to use you, you got to get rid of that attitude. You got to get rid of that revenge spirit that you have that hatred that you have. You don't have to say nothing, but it's inside of you and it's festering and it's growing and it's rooted deep in the forgiveness. See, forgiveness is not about right or wrong. Because sometimes the people who you won't forgive don't even know what they did. It's for you. It's for you. I mean, you could hate somebody who you haven't seen in so many years and it still affects you. And I remember that afternoon I was sitting there watching TBN and I heard Robinson say, there's a young man out there who you've held an unforgiveness for your father for so many years. And I just remember like the Lord just zoomed in on me. And I remember sitting right there and just saying, you know what, God, take this out. I don't want it no more. I don't want it. This man I haven't seen in 40 plus years, but I still held that unforgiveness for him. And once I forgave, it, it felt like a huge weight was off of my shoulders where God is saying, okay, now we move on to the next thing in your life that you need to care. Because once God starts to polish you and starts to straighten you out and he starts to keep you in the quiver and he look at you and you're straightening and he says this is an effective arrow because when I launch it it's going to hit its mark it's going to do what I called it to do you and I here various walks various places in our walk some of you are still in the process where you just came in new to the things of God and you're just starting to learn what it is. I want to encourage you that if you stay put and you yield to God, God will start to show you what it is that he re requires of you. As you start to listen to the word and start to get into prayer and start to seek out God's will, 
then it starts to become alive for you and it starts to unfold right before you. See, the enemy, he didn't know Jesus' destiny. If he did, he never would have did what he did. He never would have killed him. But through his death, you and I have the forgiveness of sins and the atonement. And we stand here in the presence of God and God has forgiven us and God is doing great things in our life, restoring marriages, restoring minds. You know, some of you have, man, you, you, you just have such a love for God for what he's done in your life and the deliverance that he's brought into your life. You were bound by medications that you couldn't even think straight. And God touched you. People say, does God still do miracles? Yes. Look to your right, look to your left. You're surrounded by miracles. Surrounded by miracles. So today, are we in the quiver? Where are we at? Are you in that, that molding part where God is, you're in the fire tonight. You've been in the fire. Man, you came in smelling like smoke. <laughs> but you say, you know what? I can't go. I need to stay in the quiver. Because God is still working in my life. God is still working in my life. Some of you are about ready to launch into where God has called you to. You know, when they ask me and my wife if we're ready to go, big part of me is like, am I, I started coming up with all of it, man, I'm too old. I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. But you know what? When you take that step of faith and you say, you know what, God? It's got to be you. Like Exodus 33 and Moses said, Lord, I'll go, but you got to go before me because I can't do this on my own. It has to be you. It has to be you. So when we look around and we see what God is doing right here, this is just the tip of it. This is just the tip of the sword of the spirit, what God is going to do in this little church right here. Because I believe that in these coming months, in these coming months that God is going to do something great, that there's going to be an explosion of salvation where people are going to just start to come in. People that you've been praying for, that you have been praying for so fervently, that are going to start now asking you, how do I know that I'm going to heaven? And the door is open right there. So this evening, if you're here this this day and you just say, you know what, Anthony, I don't know Jesus. I don't know that if I was to die tonight that I would make it to heaven. There is a way to know. Through faith, you could have salvation tonight. I want us all to stand here this evening. And if that's you here tonight, maybe you're backslidden. Maybe your heart is so far from God that you show up and it, you don't feel nothing. You just go through the motions. You want to lift your hands, but there's something that the enemy keeps telling you. He's like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're a hypocrite. You did this. You did that. He's accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. But I want to let you know there's forgiveness in, thing, in God. There's, there's a washing of sins that the Bible explains that if you have Jesus in your heart, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. 
If that's you here tonight, I want you to step out of your seat. I'm going to wait a minute because I think it's very important that we get our hearts in line with God. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for tonight, Lord God. Father, I know, Lord God, that you are doing something even though, Lord God, even though the enemy has just tried at his best to discourage, to distract. But God, you prevail. There is victory in you, Lord. Father, I know that you're touching hearts right now, Lord God, and that you would just move among them, Lord God. Lord, let them not rest, Father God. Let this message echo in their head, Lord God, throughout the night, Father God, that they, Lord God, would come to that realization, Father. I'm going to open up this altar.